thanks again for tuning in for our last podcast of this season of the Creo Collective and Fighting for the Forgotten. Uh, today, we are going to be sort of trying to round all this out for you. And we're going to try and do that through a conversation about maybe some things we've missed from our own values um, and also sort of take it to where can we go from here. But as we think back through everything that we've talked about today, Mike and Stephen, I think one of the things that happens is we begin to say, this becomes dangerous. What you're saying... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's high risk. <laughs> um, it seems like there's no control over anything. It seems like you're not going to hold anyone accountable. We can all just run amok, if you will. Um, but would you... Would you help me help the listener understand how I think that's really actually the opposite of what we're we're aiming towards, but the the mark that we're trying to hit as we unpack these things? Well, how many cults have you started, Stephen? Uh, up, um, counting today. <laughs> <laughs> Note the sarcasm in the room, if you will. None successfully. Uh, <laughs> um. I would say, first of all, if you're worried about control, you get, you better check your motives uh, because um, a pastor or leader who wants to control things is not letting the Holy Spirit lead. Um, and as beware I pride, beware pride and narcissism. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're lurking. Believe me, I think any leader listening to this knows that they're lurking. So that's something that you have to have to ask yourself. Um, yeah, it's scary because you're it's it's like a bunch of wild horses that, you know, each one of them is unique and they're going in their direction. Um, but dangerous. No, I, I don't think so, at least in my experience. Um, the, the the church that I lead that has the microchurch uh, that has the I don't want to use the word model I don't like using the word models but our our microchurch format actually has had more more fruit and less headache if if you want to call it that less concern than churches that I were a part of that were more of the traditional mindset so um, I think dangerous is a little bit of an exaggeration, probably even a, an illusion. But how do you how do you how do you stop heresy or how do you stop I don't know blasphemy? <laughs> but all those like those Christian words that we would throw that become so dangerous in that moment. Um, we've no, well, first of all, we've never had it in six mm. years. We have, we've never experienced heresy. We've had some missteps when it comes to methodology. Did you experience those things when you were a part of a larger church? Or do you think that they're just words that we throw out because we're uncomfortable? I think that's a very valid point. Because I don't, I don't, I mean, how often does a church deal with heresy? Yeah, at least, exactly. in, at least in our context as the mm -hmm. EFCA, how often does that happen? But I think it's one of those things that oh, but if you do this, this could happen. It's like well, we're ruled by our fears. Instead yeah, and, of and so we start fear, to exaggerate. Yeah. We start to exaggerate. If we had a heresy issue in our church. It would be very quickly dealt with and lovingly corrected, mm -hmm. but we've never had that. I don't know. How about you, Mike? I mean, no, no. We uh, we had one guy from our micro church that uh, was throwing parties with a bunch of his friends who aren't believers, and um, 
some of them started asking him questions about Jesus. And he came back to, to our house one night and said, yeah, some, I, I had a group of friends over and some of them were asking questions about Jesus and I didn't know the answers. So I just started making stuff up. <laughs> and you just put your own. And I'm like, dude, you can't make stuff up about Jesus. And he's like, well, what was I supposed to say? And I said, well, tell him you don't know. And he's like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. But <laughs> so, so from there, it was, it was this great teaching moment where he's able to, in humility, tell his friends, um, I made stuff up because I was uncomfortable with not knowing answers to your questions. But that's the only situation that I've had where anything like that's happened. Um, Really, if I'm honest, I'd, I'd say uh, there is more accountability now with what we're doing with our decentralized microchurches than anything I've ever experienced in a traditional church or a prevailing model of the church. So we have every other week we have a video coaching call for an hour that each of our microchurch uh, leaders are a part of. Um, so they'll hop on a call. There's ongoing training and equipping. There's regular coaching. We'll meet up with them for coffee or lunch. We build a training based on the stuff that they're all dealing with that every six to eight weeks we'll spend a Saturday morning, have breakfast, and talk about the real stuff they're trying to figure out with, with their micro churches. So I think the level of, of training and accountability is is higher than anything anything i've ever been a part of but there's also more freedom and less control so we give them freedom we don't control them but we're always asking hard questions and i i find that to be very uh growth producing i think it also comes down to it it's that and do you trust the holy spirit do, do you trust the holy spirit um because if if you're again, if you're wanting, if you're really wanting to, I don't like using the word control, but the, it, I, it does come up. It's come up in in situations where I've been co- coaching other people. If 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 you're want, concerned about control, you are lacking trust. And I, I there's a I understand where that's coming from. I understand where that fear is coming from, but I think know. I think you're hitting the nail on the head because. I very honest, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, ooh, I don't want to be the pot, like, not being honest in this moment. But I, the reality mm-hmm. is, like, control in mm-hmm. my life is is a very real thing. But yeah. it, it comes from a root of mm-hmm. distrust in the past. Yeah. Yes. And, right. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I'm being ruled by those moments in the past mm-hmm. to how I operate in the present. Yeah. And it's releasing those moments because what you talked about earlier is I never want to hinder the spirit. Mm-hmm. In what we do, because yep. what he does is always far greater than what I would do. Visionaries, leaders, pastors have a desired outcome. And when that is threatened, we tend to control. We tend to, our, our hands start to get a hold of things that we want to. And when it's actually very much, very possible, the Holy Spirit is simply doing something outside of our desired outcome. And if it's if what's happening is biblical, if it's supported by Scripture, we better be careful that we, we don't. Otherwise, we could be hindering the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to do that. 
we also feel like we we have to control not only that people are growing but the timeline with which they're growing oh good point they have they have to they have to grow at my pace and my speed along the way yeah (laughs) and so along the way if they're not doing this this or this i have to speed up that process i don't trust god's timing or pace in their life i feel like it's got to be my pace oh that goes well because <laughs> yeah because now you're 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 dragging people mm-hmm. and that never ends well it, it's every person is unique every disciple is god is doing something so special in each one of them and and really something that we haven't talked about for the for this season of podcasts is really allowing them to become Whatever it is that God is doing, learning, helping them learn to live within their wiring. Yeah, exactly. Like and and it, it's, how we set them apart. My job is not to make to disciples be. of Stephen. Yep. My 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 role is to make disciples of Jesus and how Jesus expresses Himself through each person. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a tapestry. It's and a tapestry. Part of what's in, what's interesting too is that people hate to be controlled. Yeah, our natural exactly. yeah, so if they, yeah. if they feel controlled, if if you're anything like me, mm-hmm. if you feel like someone is is trying to control you, you're going. I'm going to do the opposite, just because you're trying to control me. Even if it's I'm the, not going to do the that. wrong thing or the right thing, because yeah. I don't want to be controlled. But but I, that's also part of why, in our coaching, we ask people, "What is God saying to you?" And then, and then, what's the step that you're going to take so you're in response to, to that? You're speaking about your context, though. Mm-hmm. I want you to think outside of your context mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. So, to the listener, mm-hmm. as they hear this, what, what what does it look like for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in their lives as they think about what does low control look like in someone who's got, just getting started planting? What does high accountability look like for them? What does it look like for someone that's a part of a large church that's listening to this? Mm-hmm. To have both of those things happening in a, in a context different than the microchurch, right? It has, it has mm-hmm. to, it translates to them as well. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong here? I mean, correct me. I'm, I'm willing to be rebuked, but I feel like we need to be able to take those same principles and translate them. Mm-hmm. I think a missional community or a small group, either one, if I'm talking to that leader, I'm saying, how... How is God calling you and your community to live as good news on mission to the world around you? And then allow them to wrestle with that and say, how are you going to take that step? When are you going to take that step? How can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. So you're helping them be sensitive to what God is birthing in their hearts. And um, and then just following through with how did it go? I think... I can contrast that with my own experience in the sense that I have, I, I, I this pers- is why we have you around. Yeah, by the I, way. I personally have control issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a perfectionist, um, and so I have done damage to my church in the past because I wanted a desired outcome that I wanted, and as a result, having unintentionally manipulated people, that's just a confession, and and damage was done, but. What I've learned since then is when I see people depending upon me less, me less, and depending upon the Holy Spirit more, we're heading in the right direction because they're, they're being released. If, if I'm trying to build their dependence upon me, 
You'll regret that later. Yo, I'm still yeah, I'm still paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that's the key is it's not I don't want them to hear God through me. I want them to hear from him directly. I want them to be able to respond to him courageously on their own. That doesn't mean I th- that doesn't mean I I stop discipling them, but it means they're growing. And the proof is the proof is going to be in the fruit. Hmm. That's really what it comes down to. Are they said, Jesus says that. Yeah, like, are they producing fruit? If they're producing you know? fruit and it's and it's being done in a in a scriptural way, yay God. Let's celebrate that. And and what's fun about that is that's why the church grows organically. Hmm. And it doesn't grow. I mean, if we create all these systems and all, we, we're trying to make it grow into certain areas. I, th- I think there's a great analogy. Will Mancini told the story about a, a pumpkin vine that he found, and he put the, the vine in, in it. Right beside it was an empty jar. So just for fun, he put the vine inside the jar. Well, long story short, a pumpkin grew inside that jar, but grew to the shape of the jar. Sometimes our church systems are creating quote-unquote disciples that are in those jars, rather than... And we're confined. We're confined, rather than actually releasing these wild, uh, beautiful, um, uh, organic works of art that God has created in each soul and releasing them to become all that he's created them to be. You should see the image of a jar that Stephen is creating with his hands. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it is pretty cool. But as we, re- as, as we are released, let me, let me ask this is as, as we're released, how do we take this and go with this? Like where, where do we go from here? You know, we've talked about these forms, the dangers, the high control, the low account. Uh, yeah, that's right. The, the low control, high accountability. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we've been we've been talking for hours now, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. hopefully you've been listening to this podcast. And w- what do we do with all this information? How do we how do we walk away from this moment? I think the next step is you have to ask yourself, is God calling me to do this? Is God calling me to do this? And, and what, what does that mean? Church plant? No, I would be say, a disciple. I I would say it's wherever you are is to take the next step. You're called to be a disciple. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're called to be a disciple yeah, maker. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, there's there's no. So the op- answer is God is calling you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. The answer is what yes. is God saying? He's calling We're going to tell you. Yeah. Yes, is the answer. <laughs> I you think, are called. Yeah. You are sent. So the question with, that you have to wrestle with is God. What what is the next step you want me to take towards becoming a disciple maker? Mm-hmm. I think when you see it, when you say this this is what God is calling me not to be a spectator, but to be a disciple maker mm-hmm. and a missionary and a sent one. And I need to raise up and send and release others. This is what God's called us all to. When your eyes are open to that, when you believe it, I, I heard a beautiful um, analogy from the story Hook with Robin Williams. Um, Peter Pan movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Where, uh, where they're sitting around a table and uh, Robin Williams, who's playing the role of Peter Pan, um, is sitting with the Lost Boys and they're all feasting at the table. And Robin Williams can't see the big feast that's around him. Um, he doesn't have oh, the yeah. imagination or the yeah, eyes for right. it. And so they're all eating and feasting and eating their hearts out. And he doesn't see anything. He's like, what, 
what are you guys doing? And then he gets hit in the face by whatever the multicolored pudding or whatever it is. It slaps him on the side of the face. And suddenly he can see this great feast that's always been there. He just couldn't see it before. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways that's the kingdom. That, that once we realize, hey, we've been called to this and you know, our eyes are open to it. And we go, I'm a disciple maker and a missionary mm-hmm. and a quipper and a sender. Um, you can't unsee it then. All of a sudden, your eyes are open to this bigger picture of what life and mission and ministry can it's look like. It's a privilege. It is, I mean, it is a privilege to partner with the King of Kings to bring his kingdom to this world. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's in front of it's it, Yeah, it's, it's right in front of us. The, the, the mission is right in front of us. It is, it could, he could not make it any more obvious unless we didn't want to see it so part of our role here is to awaken the sleeping giant then is to open up the eyes of of the people of of god's people of the church to say you're called you're sent i I think you have the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead yeah i I think about the story um after the resurrection on the road to emmaus Mm -hmm. right they're on the road to emmaus and jesus is with his disciples and they are they're just numbskulls, man, right? Like, they, it just it just isn't clicking. And so Jesus unloads on him. He, he goes all the way, works through the prophets. He's like, I'm the true and better Moses, the true and better, you know, Abraham, all the way through. Nothing. And then he bre- breaks bread with them, and their eyes are opened. Ah, he breaks bread. Once again, food involved. Food involved. <laughs> it takes place at a table. And yeah, I'm just, but, just but saying. Just, as soon as this podcast is over, we're eating. Yes. Their, their, eyes, their eyes are opened, and then they make that comment, and I, I love mm-hmm. it. Like, we're not our hearts mm-hmm. burning within mm-hmm. us. And I hope that as you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. like that that's something that is stirring oh, inside man. of you, that burning within that you can't contain any longer. Mm-hmm. And that's what this whole idea, the whole reason we're coming here and sharing, maybe it's just three guys in a room that sound like idiots. But I hope... Well, that part's true. That I mean, <laughs> But it definitely is three guys in the room. I, I, I hope, except as, for you, Stephen. Well, <laughs> as we as we as we have this honest dialogue, that you are excited to be a part of the adventure now, that you're excited to be engaged in this idea of mission and understand your role as a disciple and what a disciple looks like for you mm-hmm. and who God is calling you to be. To understand, like there is a lack of control that you need to have and a high level of trust mm-hmm. for the king. And our hope is that our hearts are burning within us as we walk away from here, spurred to reach those around us and just participate in the feast that is set before us. Dang. Love it. <laughs> that was great. You know, uh, and it just, just to put it out there, this may be speaking to some of you and you don't have encouragement you don't, this is, this is, you know, as Tim said, it's burning in your heart and you're not feeling encouragement from anywhere. That's why we're here. That's why Creo exists. We don't want you to feel alone. We are here to walk with you, to, um, to help you process this stuff. So, um, by all means, I hope we've, I hope this is, uh, this season of podcast have, has lit a fire and, uh, and we're here for you and to walk with you. So please reach out to us. Uh, only positive things, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sing your negative uh, comments directly to Kevin Crawford. Yes, please. 
But uh, we hope you've enjoyed this season of the Creole Collective and Fighting for the Forgotten. We will be back soon, hopefully, uh, yes. to unpack more of what it is to follow Jesus and fight together. Thank you.